Okay, well, if you don't know me, my name is David. I'm one of the pastors here. Really excited to be sharing from the scriptures today, especially as we kind of came out of our September series where we were talking about seeing the good that God is doing in and around us and in those around us. We're going to be jumping right into a focus for October um, built around the person of God known as the Holy Spirit. And we're going to be talking about a series called Ghost Stories. Ha, 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 ha. Yep, I know. I know. And I, I want you to know I passed this title by the deacons, and they all had a little chuckle because they grew up with the King James Version of the Bible, and that's what it says, the Holy Ghost. And so today we're talking about ghost stories up top. You know what I'm talking about. But anyway, over the next couple of weeks, actually five weeks, maybe more, um, but for, for sure five weeks, it's our intention to get to know the Holy, of, Holy Spirit of God better by looking at some key moments, some key stories, ghost stories, in the scripture where he, the Spirit, moved and worked and revealed himself to the world. And we'll be digging deep into context and story and the original language for insight, but not at the expense of the awe and the wonder that we are to have toward God through moments of encounter together. I guess what I'm trying to say is on the other side of October, um, it's my goal that we would all not only know more about the Spirit, but that we would also actually know and experience him more. And so that's ghost stories for October. But, but all that said... Um, this begs the question, why are we talking uh, for the next month about the Holy Spirit? Good question. I think largely it's because the Holy Spirit is the most misunderstood, neglected, feared, abused, but also idolized thing we find in Scripture and in the church. And that's because he is, without a doubt, the most misunderstood, neglected, feared, abused, and also idolized person that we claim to be God. But I, I think that there's a lot of reasons for this. Practically, you know, if we look to the Trinity, which is what Christians typically believe to be God, the Trinity, within the Trinity, we see Jesus, and he was a person, and we're people, and he walks, and, and we walked, and so to understand God as Jesus is, is you know, that makes sense in our, in our minds. Now, God as Father is, you know, a bit more nebulous, but, you know, we've all had a father. Some of us still have fathers, and regardless of how good or bad they were as dads, the concept of a father, it still tracks. It makes sense. But then we arrive at the Holy Spirit, and, and especially in our post-enlightenment brains, this person that we call God can seem a little hard to process. Like, like we know God as a whole is like beyond our minds and beyond the confining of our human experience, but still to have one being within our understanding of God that lives completely outside our physical plane of comprehension, it can be, it can be hard to know what to think. It can be hard to know how to engage and what to believe to be true about this God that defines the supernatural. This God that is described as a breath and wind and fire and force. And so it's complicated, but that's why we're going to be spending the month talking about the Holy Spirit. And we're going to be doing this primarily through two key practices. First, we're going to look at what the Holy Spirit has done and how he's moved throughout the story of God. But then we're also going to be looking at uh, the Spirit by studying what Jesus confesses to be true about him in the New Testament. And so this means everything we'll be looking at and talking about here for the next month will be backed up with Jesus, with church history, and also with the Scriptures. Now, one last caveat um, to present here before we get started is that as a church here with kind of Baptist roots, I need you to know that we're not going to get super weird over the course of October, okay? We're not going to be like throwing snakes or swinging coats around or any of that stuff. So take a breath. But I need you to know that we're all going to be challenged by what we see. 
We're all gonna be challenged by what we see and what we realize the Holy Spirit actually wants to do in us and through us and around us with our faith. And so we're not gonna get weird, but we will be challenged and we will be stretched. So come with an open heart and an open mind to know and experience God more through the Spirit. Okay. Well, as we begin today, I'd like to start by asking simply, who is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? Well, to answer that, we must first answer a larger question, and that is, who is God? Who is God? And I know I touched on it briefly a moment ago, but allow me to elaborate. So our confession here at Highlands, which is really the consistent orthodox confession of the church for the last 2,000 years, is that there is only one true God. One God. And this God reigns supreme over all creation. We just confessed this during our communion time. He reigns supreme over all creation, over all space and time, and this God has no equal, he has no rival, he is unmatched within the scope of reality. But what's interesting about this God, and, and what I mentioned earlier, is that this one God who gives himself a name Yahweh, this, this God is actually made up of three unique yet interconnected persons. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And this is the Christian confession. And over the past 2,000 years, people light years smarter than me have tried to make sense of this dynamic, this relational system or interconnected uh, workings of these, these persons. Like, like, how can three persons be one at the same time? Some would say there's a hierarchy between the three. Some would say they're all equals with different priority given. It is complicated, but there's one thing that is without debate, and that is when we look to the Bible, we see the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, they tend to do different things. They tend to occupy different roles within the whole of God. Now, for the sake of clarity, allow me to use a painfully limited illustration to help, uh, to help reveal what this, this uh, different roles and, and different, uh, different things looks like. So, I'd like to, uh, to do this by presenting the Trinity as a Toyota Camry. And if you would just throw that up on the screen. This was my, this was my favorite car growing up. It was a 96 Toyota Camry. Did anyone ever have a Toyota Camry in the house? Thank you. This is good. Walter, appreciate that. Okay. And listen, I want you to know I'm honoring the Lord with this illustration because I loved my 96 Camry. But anyway, let's say that Yahweh is this 96 Camry. And as God, we see three primary components that define a car and move it down the road. There's a steering wheel that determines direction. There are tires that literally move and carry the car where the steering wheel decides to go. And then there is the fueled up engine, the engine that gives power to the tires that are moving where the steering wheel determines to go to bring the car where it needs to be. Now, all of these pieces are the Toyota Camry. Does that make sense? And, and all of, all, and the car, it wouldn't be complete with these, without these pieces, but these, these pieces aren't Legos or like one size fits all. No, the, there, there's actually, there's more to it than what we see. All of these pieces play a very specific role to move the car down the road. And this is what we see when we look to the scriptures. You can clear that for me for a second. I know everyone is distracted by my first car, but here's the deal. Within our understanding of scripture, and this metaphor of the car, the Father is at the wheel. This is what we see when we look to the scriptures. The Father is determining where to go in the future. The Son, Jesus, is where the rubber meets the road. 
He is the tires to move in the direction and accomplish the will of the Father who's at the wheel, which brings us up to the Holy Spirit, who is the power and the presence, the fuel that animates the engine to move the tires in the direction the Father wants to go and to bring the car where it needs to be. And again, I humbly present this limited and incomplete description of the Trinity, but I think it's helpful, at least for me, because it outlines what I believe to be the primary role of the Holy Spirit, and that is the power and the presence. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. The Holy Spirit is the power and the presence of God in the world, working to accomplish the will of the Father on behalf of the Son. And I'll say that one more time. The Holy Spirit is the power and the presence of God in the world that's working to accomplish the will of the Father on behalf of the Son. Now, depending on your background in the church or if you have any church history at all, some of you might be thinking, well, that's obvious, Pastor. That tracks. You read the Bible, that's what you see. Well, others of you in the house still might be thinking, man, I don't know how a spirit can be a person. I'm still trying to make sense of these things. And so what I'd like to do is just take a closer look at how this role of power and presence plays out within the story of God and through the words of Jesus. Why? So we might know what this means for us as his people today. So let's start first with the story. If you have your Bibles, you can follow me to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, all the way back to the beginning. Actually, before the beginning. Here's the scene. Um, as we approach chapter 1, verse 1, it was actually before the beginning. And all that existed in that before time was Yahweh, God in three. And then we see in verse 1, the beginning began. And it says this. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God, and in the original language of Hebrew here, the, the, the word here is ruach, which translates to mean breath. And so Jesus is the Word, and the Spirit is his breath. Back to Genesis 1. So the Spirit was hovering over the surface of the waters, and one more time, before, before, before we move on, this is really important. So before the beginning was just God. It was just God in three. And then God created the heavens and the earth. God created everything we see. Who created everything? Someone tell me. God, perfect. Okay, but what person of God had the role and power to do it? The Spirit. The breath and the Word of God. So check this out from Job chapter 26, and we see some support here. Which, by the way, if you didn't know, Job is believed to be the oldest book we have in our Bibles. And so we start to see these parallels between Job and Genesis in this passage, starting in verse 10. It says this, He created the horizon when he separated the waters. He set the boundary between day and night. The foundations of heaven tremble. They shudder at his rebuke. Verse 12, By his power the sea grew calm. By his skill, he crushed the great sea monster. His spirit made the heavens beautiful. His power pierced the gliding serpent. These are just the beginning of all he does, merely a whisper of his power. Isn't that beautiful? Who then can comprehend the thunder of his power? Now let's lay Job over Genesis to fill in some gaps. So back to verse 1 of Genesis, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. How? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit was hovering over the surface of the waters, waiting to bring calm to the chaos of creation. Moving on to verse 3. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light by the power of the Spirit. And God saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from the dark by the power of the Spirit. Verse 5, God called the light day and the darkness night. And evening passed and morning came marking the first day. One more, one more round here. Verse 6, then God said, let there be a space between the waters. We just saw this in Job, right? Let there be a space between the waters to separate the waters of the heavens from the waters of the earth. And that is what happened by the power of the Holy Spirit. God made the space to separate the waters of earth from the waters of the heavens. God called the space sky. And evening passed and morning came, marking the second day. Now, I could keep going throughout this creation account, but I think that you're with me. What we're seeing here is that everything was created and formed by the power and presence of God as the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit was moving, hovering over creation. It was by His power and presence that the seas grew calm. It was by His power and His presence in creation that the horizon appeared to separate from the water and the sky and the land. It was by His power in His presence that time began. Time began to determine day and night. It was by His power by God's will and word were fulfilled. It was let there be light, and there was light in his presence. By his power, mountains were formed. Oceans were poured. By his power, life began in his presence. By his power, galaxies were born. By his power, now everything exists, along with the systems that hold everything together in his presence. This is the Holy Spirit, and what the Holy Spirit does, not acting on his own. No, this Holy Spirit works to fulfill the will of the Father by giving power and presence to the Word who is Jesus. Now, moving from creation forward, we see the same role of power and presence being played throughout God's story. From the Holy Spirit moving in the, in the story of Abraham to Moses to the Exodus where God freed his people from Egypt by his invisible power and presence. And then he parted the sea by his power and then led his people to their new promised land by his power and in his presence as a cloud by day and fire by night. Then the Holy Spirit fed Israel manna along the way by his power and his presence. And then once they reached the promised land again, he protected them by his power. He parted more seas by his power, gave them victories in battle by his power. He spoke to them about how to live by his power and presence. Then he told them how to build the temple where they would worship him. They, then, he, then the Spirit helped them do it by his power and presence. And this is what the Spirit did and what the Spirit does in the Scriptures. He is the power, friends, and the presence of God on earth. He is how God chooses to speak to creation. He is how God chooses to lead people. He is how God chooses to empower and move and save and rescue and direct and guide and comfort and advocate and dwell among his people. Friends, the Holy Spirit is how God in three chooses to reveal himself to the world and who, how he chooses to reveal himself to you. And this is, again, why it's so vital that we get to know this person, because without him, we can never fully experience God, and there will always be a gap. 
and we'll all eventually, even with the best individual efforts, we'll all eventually run out of gas in our faith. Because without the Spirit, the power is gone. Without the Spirit, the power is gone. As I was thinking about today, I got to wonder, has anyone here ever ran out of gas? Humble show of hands. Anyone ever run out of gas? Thank you. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. So this past week, um, I swapped out vehicles with a friend to go and pick up this, uh, this uh, like elliptical thing that we probably won't use that's in our garage that my parents had. And, um, and well, no, they're watching, so we're definitely going to use it now. And so... <laughs> Later this afternoon. Okay, so I went up to my folks' house. They live up in Newhall, and I, um, I went up to pick it up. But we have this, like, big SUV, but it wouldn't fit in there, and so I swapped out vehicles with my buddy Ryan. I have his truck, and we switched cars. But anyway, when we swapped back on Wednesday, um, I, I went to the car, turned it on, and, and the little, like, low-fuel light came on, which was not a big deal, right, because it said there were still 30 miles in, in the tank. Um, but when I pulled out of the driveway um, on my way to work, uh, it's, it dropped down to, like, 28 miles. And then I made it to the end of the block, and it said 24 miles. And then I made it down to Foothill on Lowell, and, and it no longer had the number, okay? It had this imposing flashing symbol that said, listen up, man, you better fill up this tank or you are going to be stuck. And so I'm, I'm cruising down Foothill, and luckily it kind of goes down, right? And so I'm praying as I'm coasting down the, down the street, and I see the gas station, the 76 on the right, in the distance, and I see the flashing symbol on my dash. And, the, and, and in that moment, friends, I'm so acutely aware of the importance of fuel <laughs> and how instrumental it is, how, how instrumental fuel is to not run out of power. Now, friends, I, I want you to know that God protected me, and I made it all the way to the gas station only to pay like $7 a gallon, from which I lamented, right? <laughs> but as I'm standing there filling up the tank, I was reminded again of how fuel gets you where you need to go and how a lack of fuel actually prevents you from reaching your destination, leaving you only distance between you and where you want to be. Now, what am I talking about here? Bring it back home. I wonder if anyone here has ever felt a distance from God. I wonder if anyone here has ever felt that distance from God, like, like, you, like you know where you want your faith to be, but you never really arrive there. And more often than not, you find yourself stuck on the side of the road. It happens to the best of us. It happens to all of us, but I think for many of us it happens because we forget the fuel. We swap out the Holy Spirit as, our, as the power for our faith with other things. And what do I mean? I mean, we often feel distant from God because when we think about God, we're not always thinking about God three in one. We're thinking about God the Father, the Son. But then for fuel, instead of power, Instead of leaning into the Holy Spirit, we try to pour into our car called faith all sorts of other things, good things, like being good or religious or spiritual or church or serving or studying or, or even, even the Bible. Friends, I know so many Christians that treat the Bible as the third person of the Trinity while relegating the Holy Spirit to like that weird uncle you see at holidays. But y'all, when we do this, when we do this, it's like trying to stuff your car's instruction manual into the gas tank and expecting it to run. It's not going to work. And I don't want to speak this over you, and I'm not accusing anyone, but, but what I've seen is we often, we often feel distant from God because we often distance ourselves from the Holy Spirit. 
And so we run out of fuel and we run out of power. And I want you to know that I am no exception. I've spent so much of my life seeing God as two plus one. Seeing God as two plus one because probably because it was safer and it was simpler, it was easier, it allowed me to, to keep my understanding of God more cognitive and within my control. That makes sense? But guys, I've missed out on so much of what God had for me. I've missed out on his power moving in me and his presence moving around me. I have, and I see that, and now, listen, I just want you to know, I'm just through playing it safe. I want so much more for me in this church than a dried-up faith of a theoretical God. A faith stranded on the side of the road that says, God already spoke here, and, and so that's enough. A faith that says, God already saved me from sin, and that's enough. A faith that says, I'll settle with safe instead of, instead of asking for more. I don't deserve more than I have. No, listen, there is so much more available to us as God's people that God wants to give us, and he already has given us. There is so much more that God wants us to know about him and what's possible because of the work that Jesus did to make us right with the Father. There is so much more that he wants to do through us and around us, as he hovers over the waters of our story and the chaos of our world, there's so much more that he wants us to experience. To the extent that he actually decided to do something about it. He didn't even leave it up to us. He decided that the only way to make this happen, for us to live the life of faith that he created us for, is to literally make his home in us, in our hearts and in our minds. For the Holy Spirit to live present and with his power in his people. Jesus actually forecasts this in Acts chapter 1 when he says, he says this, The Father alone has the authority to set the dates and times, and they are not for you to know. This is, again, the roles of the Trinity, right? But, verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will receive power when the Spirit comes upon you and fills you with his Presence, which is exactly what we saw in our opening scripture from Romans chapter 8. One more time. It says, The Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give you life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. Process that for a moment. Whether you feel it or not, I need you to understand that if you're a Christian, then the Holy Spirit of God, the same power that made the world, the same power that parted seas, the same power that led Israel as a cloud and fire, the same power that spoke our scriptures and raised Jesus from the dead, the same power, the Holy Spirit, it lives inside of you. The power and the presence of God lives in all who believe. And this is what is available. And this is what's been promised for you. For all who believe, power and presence. But somebody tell me, when was the last time you felt powerful in your faith? When was the last time you saw miraculous things in your life? When was the last time you felt deep intimacy with God? See, the power and the presence are there, and that is promised to us. But for many of us, we still so often feel stranded on the side of the road of our faith. And so what, what can we do to bring this promise from inside to out? How can we begin to fuel our faith with the power of the Spirit that now lives within? To move beyond what's reasonable and predictable so we might know the God that moves mountains. 
and experience his power in every season. Well, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down, and I'm going to try to make this real quick because we're going to get deeper into this over the course of the next month. But as kind of a primer and as a baseline, if you want to know and experience the Holy Spirit more in your life, then you got to start with two things. you got to let go and you got to fill up. you got to let go and you got to fill up, starting with let go. Friends, the past and the future cannot coexist for followers of Jesus. Just like you cannot be controlled by your former way and be led by the Holy Spirit. It just doesn't work that way. If you want to know and experience the power of God in your life, you first got to let go of the past and the power that you gave to sin. Jesus already broke the chains, right? He's already freed you from your bondage through the power of the Spirit, who the Son has set free is free indeed. But now it's up to you to let it go. Now it's up to you to repent and say goodbye to the power of sin that you have held on to that leads to death. Romans 8 says it like this. It says, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. Verse 1, now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. And this is who you are now if you're with Jesus. You just got to let it go. Hebrews chapter 12 expands on this by saying, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily traps us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Friends, we, we got to let it go. We got to cut the ties if we want to truly experience the power and the presence of God. You got to let go of your past. You have to let go of your expectations for what your life might be. You have to let go of your disappointments. You have to let go of your failures. Let go of your lust and all the love that God doesn't want for you. You have to let go of your fear, let go of your favorites, let go of anything that might slow you down or trip you up. Let go of your incomplete understanding of God. Let go of your habits that hold you back. Let go of your obsession for certainty and safety and security that even with the best of efforts still leaves you feeling empty and stranded. You gotta let it go. You gotta let go. And I wonder, um, I, know, I know what those things are for me, but I just wonder what those might be for you. What do you need to let go of today? The things that you knew and that you, that you did before you knew Jesus. What do you need to let go of so you can begin to live with the power of the Spirit within you? And friends, I, I don't know who needs to hear this today, but if you're a Christian, one more time, you, under, you, you are under no obligation to sin ever again. Now, you will, but you have been set free from the power that has held you back. And there is therefore no condemnation. And so you're no one's holding you back. You're holding on. And it's time to let go. If we're to be faithful, we must let it go. That's first. But, but moving on, simply letting go of the past isn't enough. No, you need to replace what you let go of with something better. You got to, number two, this is you got to fill up. Otherwise, otherwise, what you let go of would eventually find its way back into your life. And this is what I think is the biggest hang-up for a lot of Christians. We get saved. We, get, we believe we let go of a ton of things. We cut out all these, these behaviors from our lives, but we don't always fill that void with something better. And so the garbage eventually creeps back in. 
It reminds me of um, a couple of years ago, uh, and this is completely off topic, and I'm just gonna make this quick. A couple of years ago, um, I started having like tooth pain. Has anyone ever had tooth pain? Yeah, okay, good. That's what I'm talking about. I know, Mickey, I know what you're talking about here. And so what had happened was when I was like in second grade, um, I got hit in the face with a football and my tooth broke and I went and got a root canal. But when they did the root canal when I was in second grade, uh, a piece of the drill broke off inside my tooth and they didn't take it out. And so for the course of like 25 years, this infection was growing under my tooth in my, in my jaw. And all of a sudden, one day, I'm like, man, my mouth kind of hurts. So I go to the endodontist, it's like a fancy dentist, and they're like, hey, um, you've got this massive like, infection growing in your jaw. We have to take it out. And I said, okay, um, that's gonna be complicated. But so then what happened was they had to, I won't, I'll spare you the procedure, but they had to like, they had to physically go into my jaw and remove the trash from my jaw. They had to scoop out all the bad material, okay, from my, from my mouth. And then, and then they said, hey, just so you know, we got all of it out, um, but we have to replace it with good stuff. And I was like, well, wh why don't you just close it up? They said, no, because if, if we leave that open, all the infection is gonna come back. You have to replace the infection with good material. And that's, I think, is the exact same thing with our faith. If we don't fill up the space that once held the garbage of our past, I promise you, it will fill itself back up. If we're to be faithful, we must be constantly asking the Holy Spirit to fill us again and again and again. His power is already there. His presence is there. That's not changing, but we must lean into this power and presence every single day. A continual refilling of the Holy Spirit. And this is what Paul was getting at in Ephesians chapter 5. It's on the screen when he tells the church. He says, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants. And this is it. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father and in the, Lord, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I, and I love this because Paul is saying, don't fill your life with lesser things that will control you. Instead, let your life be filled with the Spirit. And what's cool about this word filled in Ephesians chapter 5 is that it's not referring to like a one-time filling. It's actually speaking to continually being poured into until it reaches the top to be filled to capacity and to stay filled by constantly inviting the Spirit's presence and power into your life. Friends, if, if we're to be faithful, we must fill our hearts and minds with the Holy Spirit. Now, what does this look like, and, and how, can we, how can we do this? I'm almost done. Thanks for listening. How can we do this? How can we fill up on the Spirit? Four quick things from the book of Ephesians chapter 5. It starts with prayer, scripture, worship, and thanksgiving. Prayer, scripture, worship, and thanksgiving. This is going to be quick. How can we know what God wants us to do? Prayer and worship. Prayer and worship. If you want to know and experience God more, talk to him. Ask for direction. Spend time in prayer and in his Holy Spirit-inspired scriptures. And so that's first, if you want to continually fill your life with his presence. Prioritize time in your day to welcome the Spirit into your life. In prayer, and in scriptures, and we're gonna get into that more in the coming weeks. The second thing is that you fill up through worship. 
singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making music to the Lord in your heart. This can be at home. This can be in the car. It can be in the shower. Anybody sing in the shower? Come on. At church? It has to be at church. With family and friends and strangers, wherever it might be, join the song of heaven and say, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere, right? Because we have to remember that the Spirit is not this abstract deity in the clouds. The Spirit is a person, and He is God, and He is here. But it's up to us to open our hearts and minds to say, you are welcome in us, and you are welcome in this house. So worship God with singing. Fill it up. And finally, if you want to grow close to God, spend time thanking Him for all that He has done. Give thanks to the God. Give thanks to God with a grateful heart. And, and I just, just watch what happens in your life of faith. I promise you, prayer, scripture, worship are all incredible things that we can do to encounter God. But if our hearts aren't approaching those moments with gratitude and thanksgiving, we'll be far less open to receive from him. So embrace a life of gratitude to God. Once again, one more, one more Bible passage here from Philippians 4. I love how Paul puts this when he says, tell God what you need, pray, and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Thank him for all he's done. And then you will experience God's peace, and the Holy Spirit will guard your hearts and minds. It's prayer, it's scripture, it's worship, and it's doing that with a thankful heart. It's thanksgiving. Four simple yet effective ways to fill and be filled by the Spirit in your everyday. And listen, I, I'm really excited about this next month. I feel like we're going to get, like, we're all going to be really surprised at what we learn about the Spirit and how we encounter the Spirit over the next, over the month of October. Um, but as we close today, because I, I got to wrap it up, as we close, more than anything, what I'm hoping you take with today is simply that God loves you and wants to be near to you. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done, what you know, or what you don't know. God loves you and wants to be near to you, and he wants to empower you to live your greatest possible life of faith for his glory and for your good. And he wants to do this. He wants you to see the good that might be through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit that he has given you. A spirit who is God, yet chooses to call your heart in this place home. A spirit that wants to help you know the Father and follow the Son more and more all the days of your life. So as we go today, let us be a church that welcomes the Holy Spirit. Let us be a church that welcomes the Holy Spirit to fuel our faith so we might better know and love and experience God in three. Amen? All right, I want to pray for you, and then we're going to get out of here, but let's pray. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we are so grateful that you love us. We're so grateful that you have chosen to make your home among us. We're so grateful that you are calling us and moving us and so invested in our story that you're literally coming into us to participate. God, we are so grateful for all the ways that you are 
teaching us and leading us and, and molding us and shaping us. God, in this moment, I ask that you would just fill us up again with your good news. Fill us up again to overflow in this moment. God, fill us up again to overflow in this moment so we might truly feel you and experience you and know you in a new way. God, we, we acknowledge and we confess that, that the Holy Spirit, that you are here as the tangible power and presence of God on earth. We confess that to be true today. And so, God, we ask that your power would renew us and your presence would inspire us and that we might leave here today with a greater love and commitment and passion for you and your way. So, God, send us out from here. Fill us up again. Jesus, we're grateful for the work that you did to, to allow this reality to be true. Father, we're so grateful for the direction that you are leading us in this world. Holy Spirit, fill us again with your power and presence. So it's in your name that we pray, the name of Jesus, and we all said, amen, amen. Hey, thank